the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Hooray. Ben and Susie. Hello Ben. Hello Susie. Uh, we've got a fantastic show for you. We've got our review of 17 uh, put on at the Pump House Theatre in Watford. Yeah, we ventured. We, we ventured we out did. of St Albans. We were tourists. We were indeed. <laughs> uh, and we've also got a preview of Three Sharp Shorts, which is going to be on at OVO. Mm-hmm. At the Maltings Arts Theatre. We've also got a very special interview with Sinead, who's a local director, uh, has done a lot of stuff with the Abbey Theatre. Mm-hmm. Just talking about how she became a director, how she got involved in the arts in general, which um, I think is going to be can, a lot of fun. More things you can do off stage. Exactly. Um, and then we'll also have a review of Office Suite. Uh, we sent Danny and a special guest reporter, Becky Alexander. Normally off. normally seen critique, critiquing food and drink, but this time she stepped into the theatre for us. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we will also be giving you a preview of next episode as well. So, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, a but lot it's going to be a lot of fun. Are you yeah. excited, Susie? I'm very, I'm always excited. This is an exciting time. Um, but should we, should we crack straight in and we'll go take everybody back to when we went to see opening night of Seventeen. Let's do it. Hello, we are here at the Watford Pump House Theatre. We've seen a lot of friendly faces already. Yes, yeah, it's exciting. I've never been to this theatre before and it's really lovely. So we're just about to watch 17, uh, which you heard about on the previous podcast. And if you haven't, go back and listen to that now, otherwise it's a spoiler. It is a spoiler. (laughs) Um, What are you looking forward to the most? Um, So I have seen quite a few of the other actors in other Mm -hmm. things. And I've never seen them playing children, so I'm really interested to see how far they go with it yeah. and how young they can make themselves seem. Yes. Um, that's that's something I'm quite looking forward to. I'm what about you? I'm looking forward to seeing the setting, um, seeing how that is presented, the staging of it, because I've seen a few different versions, like, you know, just in research. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Ronnie twist, um, mm. go back to the previous podcast, we haven't heard it, how that kind of transpires in this. So let's go. Hi, I'm Sam Kennedy and I thought that was a really great performance and I feel like it was all fell from the heart and it seemed very genuine and realistic and I can relate to parts of it as well. And how old are you? I'm 13. Is that going to be how you end your exams? Um, hopefully, it seemed like <laughs> quite a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. Simon East, yeah, I thought it was really good. Anything in particular you liked? Anything in particular I liked? Yeah, I think I liked it all, really. It's good. Brilliant. Nice, no swearing in it. (laughs) It was a bit very clean. Polished for a first night, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no prop tins. That was really good. And what's your name? Tracy East. So, what did you think? <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. I particularly thought they were immensely brave going up on those um, those climbing bars. My gosh! And it was lovely the way they all had, you know, their own characters and all that sort of thing. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Hi, I'm Front Page Frankie, intrepid reporter for the Hearts Advertiser. Join me and host Danny Smith for the St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as delving into the biggest local stories, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. 
episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for The St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. So there we are. That's what the audience thought. It is. What did you think, Ben? I really enjoyed it. There was, um, so first of all, the first thing that you see when you walk in is the set, mm-hmm. which is a large metal climbing frame. Yeah. Which just takes you back, doesn't it? And it was a really cool large metal climbing frame. So you had the basic climbing frame in the middle and a mm. swing set to the side. Mm. Um, but the set wasn't empty. And I had my usual fear because I was an actor on stage. Yes. And I did have the fear that it was going to be one of those, you know, engaging with the audience moments mm. ahead that you love and I don't. <laughs> um, but fortunately, the character Ronnie, uh, mm. who was played uh, by a female part, so played by Deborah Cole, mm. um, which is on the twist that if you uh, listen to last time's podcast, Abby Waghorn, who's a director, let us know that that was something she was going to be doing. So um, Ronnie was sitting on stage kind of with his backpack and his sleeping bag. So mm. you, you got that feeling straight away that, you know, he was very lost. Yeah, though he was not in a good place. He, she, see, I'm, um, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they were not in a good place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then it carried on. Uh, and the fir- opening scene is the two lads uh running on lads uh, lads <laughs> running on and just cracking open a couple of beers like the boys do at the end of school just shouting in fact it opens with yeah <laughs> in fact well, i think it opens with no a swear no you word, can't no no don't but, use the words don't use it because it was very i said afterwards it was very kind of four weddings and a funeral wasn't mm. it in that it was the opening 10 maybe 15 words were all expletives mm. it wasn't for the faint of heart but it was it completely got you into the moment that these were two young lads played by you know fully grown adults but you felt like they were young and they were comparing the answers on their exam they'd just finished Mm. and um one of the things that i picked up on quite a lot is the physicality they really got that like awkward teenage we've only just got these bodies and we don't quite know how to move so um i i I was um, talking to the actress who played Ronnie after the show Mm. and saying, you really got like the awkward nerdy kid elbows. Her elbows were always sort of out at 45 degree angles. (laughs) And uh, and she was saying, yeah, it really helps the costume. So she had um, uh, her sleeves were a bit too short and it just sort of gave her that awkward gangly appearance, which I thought was very, you know, it's interesting that you don't really think about the physicality in it being affected by your costume. No, and I think one of the things that we, you know, we we have spoken about briefly on the way home was that obviously these are a group of adults playing teenagers and it could have been really cheesy. Mm. Did it work for you? It did. Um, I, I definitely think that they... There were there were points where they absolutely captured that adolescent energy of uh, everything needs to go at two hundred percent and we're just going absolutely crazy all the time. That that um almost claustrophobic energy I thought came out really really well. Mm-hmm. At times it dipped, um, and at times it, I would have liked to see that be a bit more consistent. But actually getting to that place, I think really it hooked you into that feeling of, you know, last day of school, I can't wait for my future Mm. type thing. And I think the other thing was that they obviously had this great set that they could work on with the climbing frame. 
and I have, you know, take no no disrespect in the tour because sh- I'm sure it's really hard to put together. And I'm, mm. I think Abby said that her husband Mark did a lot of that work. So kudos, it, kudos to Mark because that was a that was a cracking set. I almost wanted them to do more. Mm. Um, I almost wanted like more bars for them to kind of climb off or swing off. I'm probably asking too much because they did a great job with it. And I, but one of my favourite things about it was that. At one point, um, there was quite a serious conversation going on kind of centre stage. And then you had off to um, to the left, you had the, the girls were sitting on the swings and they were kind of listening to their iPod together and just mm. having a moment. So you knew they were kind of, they were there, they were doing something. It was quite a natural playground kind of scene. Um, and it didn't take away from what was happening, but it was such a good use of the space. Mm. I really liked that. I thought it worked really nicely. Um and we talked about as well, so um, Leonie Thompson played this part that was, she describes it, and we'll hear from her um, shortly as, as the small part. She was playing the younger sister. Now, when you've got a group of adults playing a group of teenagers, and then mm. one of them's playing a younger teenager, that's kind of hard to get across, mm. but I, I really bought it. Yeah, yeah, and um, she, she mentioned that she had like a slightly smaller part than the rest of them, but actually it was such an ensemble piece of mm. like, it was important that you had the gang and then the person who was out of the gang and each one of the characters fell out of the gang Mm -hmm. at a certain point in the play um but not having your own specific lines in that i didn't feel like took away from the size of the part if you know what i mean because it always felt like there was this glob of people who you wanted to be part of and uh you know one character wasn't involved in that um so it, it almost felt like the ensemble and then a monologue you know yeah. the, the sort of interaction between those two which I thought was quite interesting and I thought the play as a whole worked really well it was beautifully done in that everybody had their issue um, mm. that kind of came out as you say they kind of fell out as these issues were kind of being revealed the one bit of the story that I just didn't quite work for me was um, Mike being you know he Mike was like the main lad mm. the big and lad was, with the girlfriend big showy, showy lad yeah and you know, then he secretly had a crush on his best friend, Tommy. And mm. I just, it was nothing to do with the acting or the way it was staged. I'm just not sure that the writing gave enough to that storyline mm. for me to really buy that that was bubbling away under the surface. I don't know. It, I just... It, it, it seemed like it thought it was a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. It was like, it was almost like, oh, this is the big twist. But I think that that story's been done quite a lot already. Mm. Um, and also with it just coming out of nowhere and there not being much tension around it. So there was one character, um, her mum was an alcoholic and it was like exploring the, oh yeah, your mum's a right laugh. Oh, da, 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 da. And then it gets a little bit darker and that carries a lot more weight. Whereas there was no real proceeding to that Mm. other than two mates being quite laddie. Yeah. Um, Whereas I, you know, there are ways to make that um, revelation a lot more powerful. And I think because he had this sort of big role with the girlfriend, and the girlfriend wasn't happy with him, but there were there were comments made, and um, his sister sort of said there were indications that that he wasn't happy. But I'm not sure that came through enough mm. for that twist to have quite worked. Um, I think there were bigger twists that were better, and I think one of the big question marks I have kind of over it is the you know the twist that actually Abby put in which is p- having Ronnie mm. um which is a male character played by a female um and it was it was to kind of have this androgynous figure so mm. was Ronnie 
a boy or a girl does it matter and does it matter and i one of the things that was going through my head is if ronnie is someone um who is expressing their gender identity in a way other than they were assigned at birth maybe so uh ronnie is having to sleep in the toilets Mm. um uh, while he's doing his uh their exams and so, you know, perhaps that's part of the thing around, you know, he's not, they're not accepted by their family. So, um, you know, th- they're forced out of their homes. I think that that's, it was a really understated way mm. to just explore that idea. Yeah. So I think we've, we've kind of covered all of the, the aspects of it that we enjoyed. And then we got a really great chance to speak to Leonie Thompson afterwards, who played the younger sister. So let's go and hear from her. So we're here with Leonie Thompson, who's just been starring in Seventeen. Um, how was opening night for you? Really good, actually. Uh, we all seem to maintain the energy that we required for the parts, because obviously playing 17-year-olds, or in my case, a 14-year-old, needed that extra effort, I guess. You did have a lot of energy on stage. You were just saying you were very... Like, there was a definite difference. Like, you could feel that you were younger. Oh, good. That's good. That's all to do. That's great. Good. That yeah. was great. And what... I mean, given the kind of setting, what was the you know, your favourite part of, you know, the way it's I just think it's it's clever because obviously it's a playground um, and there are different areas and obviously on a stage you have to sort of make a little bit of a, a fudge of the fact that it's all very close together but I think we gave, gave the idea that it was space there so people could escape for their own private conversations or for little sort of intimate scenes or whatever and I think that worked really well um, and I I mean it's been great working with these actors because they're so so good but it's been really interesting the different uh, you know, reactions to each other and how we've developed those as well and the relationships between each other have grown and, and improved and we found lots of different ways of doing things so that's been really good. Fantastic. Well, we really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was, um, it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed... Um, I just think there were so many different elements and lots of the jokes that came through. And I think, you know, for, um, for us in the audience, you, you just really got the sense of, you know, the adults playing the youngsters. Like, I, I think it worked. Yeah, it? one thing we wanted to avoid was becoming caricatures. Yes. Um, and hopefully that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we sort of wanted to get the fun and energy of teenagers, but without playing the sort of sulky schoolgirl type thing or... or um, That's a really boy. fine balance to hit, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And I think Abby's sort of helped us to do that as director, an experienced director. She's helped us do that, to not fall into the role, oh, I'm going to play a caricature of a school girl or whatever it is. Particularly my part, I guess, because I was a bit younger and I could yeah. have played it sort of like a, sort of a, you know, the, the hackneyed version of, of a schoolgirl. But I tried to make it slightly different. Yeah. And I hopefully that, that came across. Yeah, definitely. And how long, so how long have you been rehearsing for this? Um, a good few months. We yeah. did have a bit of a rest period over summer. We had a few weeks when nobody was around. But some people did get together to do line runs and stuff. Yeah. Because the intimacy of the, of the play requires that really sort of closeness, I think, between the cast. Yes. Uh, and if we hadn't got that, it wouldn't have worked. Definitely. Yeah, I, I was going to say, how, how did you build that? Because I know it's between you and Mike, particularly, like, as your older brother, there, were, there was a closeness there as well. Yeah, we, we did do a lot of work together. So, obviously, some rehearsals, we would focus on certain scenes. And we've worked some of those. I don't, actually, my parts were the smallest part. But when I come on, I sort of, I'm very noticeable. So, we just practiced those. We worked, played with different things, played with different ways of doing it and brought our own ideas and then Abby worked um, sort of, yes please. It's all right. Sorry. No, it's all right. It's live interviewing after. And it's very important that Lily gets her drink. Thank you. I've earned it, I think. Um, 
Yeah, so we had worked together. Mark's obviously a very experienced actor, so it was, mm. you know, it was really good working with him. It, it's, we, 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 got a, we learned a lot from it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I certainly did. And I suppose, I mean, it was, the physicality works well because he's supposed to be my older brother and he's so tall. Yes. And obviously, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, so yeah, that worked right. well, I think. And I think we played off that a lot. It's interesting what you said about it being a smaller part. It didn't really feel like that oh, from really? an audience okay. perspective. I think uh, because there's quite a lot of coming and going. Yes. Yeah. And because, as you say, when you're on, you kind of, you were that little sister demanding the attention. Yes. So yeah. It was yeah. Quite that, nice. was, that was that was the role that yeah. I was sort of trying to trying to play and try and get that. Yeah. Um, and so the thing with Lizzie, I think as well, she brings some energy. Yeah. So times when th- things are sort of slight slowing down a bit, and because she's not drinking the same way the others are, yes. yeah. she has the energy throughout the night, whereas yeah. other people, thank you, um, don't necessarily have that. They slow yeah. down because they're getting more drunk, or yeah. in Amelia's case, yeah. get being ill or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so it's it's a it's a different role. But That's brilliant. Thank, thank you, you so much. Good luck for the rest of the run. Thank you. So lovely to hear from Leonie, um, who was playing in 17. Moving on now, we are here with Sarah Ferdinand. Hello, Sarah. Hello, lovely to meet you. And tell me why, or tell our listeners, why have you come to talk to me today? Thank you. Yes, I've come to talk to you today about um, Three Sharp Shorts, which is our next production at OVO this autumn. It's coming up in October the 10th and the 11th at 8pm. And just to tell you a little bit more about it. So that's going to be on at the Maltings Arts Theatre. Now this is, so Three Sharp Shorts is three individual plays that are being put on? That's right. Um, So there are three short plays, all written by the playwright Andrew Sharp, Mm -hmm. um, who's had quite a few things at the Camden Fringe Festival this year and success with quite a few other scratch nights around the country. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's a really talented writer and both myself and um, Kat Rogers from Catalyst Productions are collaborating on this one with Ovo, um, presenting it at the Maltings Arts Theatre. Um, Each play is approximately 20 minutes long, um, both two... Uh, they're all two-handers um, and they're kind of looking at relationships and things that go wrong in relationships and perhaps allowing the audience to question what at first sight seems to be a normal relationship but in fact is not <laughs> what at is all. <laughs> what is normal indeed. And so are the plays linked? I mean, they've got the same theme that runs across mm. the three but are they actually linked to the same character, same cast? Interesting question actually because a lot of Andrew's work kind of comes from the same, um, he's got sort of a masterpiece in his brain and mm-hmm. a lot of these um, short plays come out of that um, fantastic creative mind of his. So in a way they are linked. Um Meet Me at the Nightingale, which is the one that um, Catalyst Productions is putting on, mm-hmm. um, I would say is a, a it's just kind of a discreet play. Well, they all are in a way, but they kind of have some links with them. And um, what we've done, interestingly, just to make a, a real link across the all three, is our main actress um, Emma is playing the female lead in each, each okay, of the plays. So, okay, yeah. So, that's so she's got three completely different characters to kind of move in and out of absolutely yeah we'll have a short break in between and and an interval so give the audience a chance to kind of catch their breath so will there be a break is that break going to be just one break in the middle or will it be between Um, each of them uh, yeah I mean the audience won't get to um, leave the room after the first play they'll have to sit and really stew in that discomfort Uh, (laughs) and then after the second one yeah there'll be a little interval well it's not a long you know it's not a particularly long amount of time you know 80 minutes that's really nice and really manageable Mm -hmm. and it's actually quite, quite good for sort of being there um 
you're not just putting this on though for the you know with ovo Mm -hmm. at the malting tell me because you're the 10th and 11th you're there Mm -hmm. and then and then we go to the watford fringe and we're really excited to have uh, our first chance at um the watford fringe this year this is my first experience of it it seems to be a really exciting opportunity um they're really working hard to build up the reputation of watford Mm -hmm. fringe and we've been lucky enough to get the watford museum as our our location interesting venue Mm -hmm. i saw that and i thought so does that give you some challenges um it should be i mean it would be really interesting because it's a it's a kind of a large room mm-hmm. it's got paintings of the cassiobury room so it's got kind of large paintings of um historic figures from cassiobury house etc um it's carpeted yes i think it's quite a grand uh, mm. space to be working and very different from the um the studio theater at at ovo yeah because um, the maltings is sort of yeah. i mean essentially when you, you peel it all back it's mm-hmm. a big black space black that you can right. do whatever yeah. you want with it mm-hmm. and so you're i mean you're having the same set that you then have to sort of yeah we manage it yeah, it's got to be manageable for shifting and I think that's the key thing with this piece is that um, it's a festival piece so Mm. you know it can work anywhere and that's that's my job as a director to make sure that that's possible and we can pack up the props in a little box and move it from one space to another Mm -hmm. and that obviously the actors are very confident within the the space and their roles but yeah we'll probably get about half an hour in the venue before we get to do it Um, Mm -hmm. obviously I've got to do site visits as well Um, but the actors just are super flexible and uh, yeah amazingly talented they're just going to jump straight in it should be really really exciting but that's the immediate the two days afterwards so 10th and the 11th of October mm-hmm. are going to be at the Maltings mm-hmm. and then the 12th and 13th um, of October will be at Watford Museum and we'll have tickets available uh, we'll have tickets available we'll have links to the yeah. tickets mm-hmm. um, on the show notes for the podcast thank um, you so we'll have the links and it because you, you buy tickets for the Maltings Arts Theatre and mm-hmm. then it, is it right that the, the three plays are then kind of getting split up at the, yes, the Fringe Festival they are because um, Kat is taking her um, Meet Me at the Nightingale mm-hmm. to I think she's doing at the Watford Palace in okay. the green room um, they've got really interesting space in there so it's a very kind of naturalistic piece of drama there'll be people coming and going and going about the normal business and the, the play will be taking place in there um, and then they're also doing something I think down on Queen's Road in in Watford Centre okay. um, they've got a cafe down there so it's yeah. really cool so if you go onto the Watford Fringe website you'll yeah. see all of the links to all the different productions and where they're taking place and I know that um, both Kat and Emma will be rushing from one play to the next to the next and they're very very busy that weekend Great. Um, and then my cast will be um, coming into the evening so we're doing an 8.15 performance right? Um, two lots of 20 minutes on each night that's going to so be, be rushing so, around what a great thing to have on the that's doorstep so fun, as yeah. well so close by and we're going to hear um, from some people at the Watford Pump House Theatre on our next podcast fantastic um, in a couple of weeks time so we'll hear from them a little bit more about what they're doing and mm-hmm. how that's sort of impacting on them because I mean the Pump House Theatre is kind of new to me it's such oh, an interesting right. little venue oh so. it's a wonderful venue yeah. we were there the other day just I watched 17 the other day and thought it was really really exciting which we just heard about yes. so fantastic tell me well while well, I've got yeah. you come on then give me your one line what did you think of 17 oh, I just thought it was really clever it was a really interesting concept to see adults playing um, teenagers and just mm-hmm. to really kind of go back in my own mind to that time of my life when I just sort of got my A-levels and what you know what that felt like and it was just it was lovely it was really really creative and I think Abby Waghorn did a fantastic job of the direction um, obviously that's kind of my eye when I'm yeah. looking at it and yeah. uh, you know I know some of the cast as well I, th- I was very proud of them it was a lot of fun brilliant thank yeah. you so much Sarah so Thanks all links to me. the three sharp shots will be on our website thank you um, we will now hear a little bit more from another director we're going to hear from um, Sinead and Ben spent some time talking to her Hello, I'm joined by Sinead Dunn, a local director, uh, has done a lot of work with the Abbey Theatre. And so, how's it going, Sinead? It's going very well, thank you, Ben. Um, would you like to just give us a bit of a background in how you got involved in local theatre? What's been your theatre journey? 
Um, well, gosh, it started many, many, many years ago when I was a small child, um, and I did lots of oh, lots of drama at school, um, which I continued on to university. So my, I suppose my my background is English and drama, my, my uh, university background, and then work and life took over, um, and I didn't do anything for a long time with the theatre just because I didn't have time. But ironically, through my own children, um, I got to know uh, the Abbey Theatre here. Um, and just sort of, you know, got involved in a very small way doing, you know, backstage stuff um, almost as a helper um, and then sort of the bug took over again and, and um, I pushed myself to do a bit more. So then how did you get involved specifically in directing? Because I know that's a large part of what you do. Yes, I mean, directing is my big, is my big love and my big passion. So um, that happened very much because the Abbey Theatre themselves put out a call for new directors and said um, that they would like to have some new directors and could people sort of approach them uh, with, an, you know, I guess a, an interest and then we could see how it would move forward. So that's, that's what I did. It was sort of a, a slightly crazy idea because my children were still quite young but when I saw this email from Philip Reardon, who's our production executive, to say we'd like to invite people to direct some new, some new plays, I just thought... <gasps> I have to seize that. So, and then immediately I panicked after I sent the email. But, <laughs> but you know, it was it was kind of a rash decision, but one which I don't regret for a second. Mm. And so, did you you started off as a director? You just instantly, you know, day one, well, no, Sinead, I, the director. Or... I I started off really having been involved backstage in a number of productions, mm -hmm. um, and also I have taught some drama. So, so so through that we have done. I have done. I have directed children's shows. Mm. Um, so I had a bit of kind of teaching stroke directing experience from there. Um, the first play I directed on my own, I wasn't originally supposed to direct on my own. I was actually an assistant director and that's mm. how it would normally work, that somebody who's interested would come along as an assistant or even, um, you know, just to observe um, how somebody else, you know, works with their actors and so on. Um, but unfortunately, the, the director of that particular play had to, to pull out for personal reasons mm. and I took over. So that was quite um, terrifying <laughs> and quite unique. It wouldn't normally happen like that. But actually, it was, it was fantastic. And I think the Abbey Theatre is particularly good at supporting people. Um, so although I was directing it, I had some incredibly experienced production people and a very experienced cast, so um, they actually made it very easy for me. But that was Abby Morgan's love song um, two and a half, three years ago I did that. So that kind of, that was it. And actually I don't know, had I sort of taken it more gradually, would I have actually stepped up? It was, mm. you know, it was quite a good way for you me to... You needed to be sort of I needed to kind in. of be kicked <laughs> rather than sort of, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so it was good, it was very good. So what do you do first? Do you find a text that you particularly like and then put it on? Or do people approach you with text? Like, how do you find the shows that you're going to put on? Uh, well, it's a combination of things, really. So for the work I've done at the Abbey Theatre, that has been very much based around their, um, their schedule um, and what plays they want to put on on a particular season. So they will approach all of the directors or all interested people and say, here's our season. Uh, please take a look, read the plays. If there are any that you are interested in directing, you, we put in a proposal to direct those plays. Um, they also have the option of director's choice. So not 
in this season, but for example, in the in the following season, five players will be director's choice. And um, where that happens is a director approaches the production exec and says, "Actually, I I love this play. Mm. I would really like to put it on." And again, that's about putting a proposal together and sort of stating your vision for the play, um, and how you'd direct it and how it would look and you know what what the requirements would be in terms of set and sound and and so on. Um, for me, you know, I have to, if I'm going to direct something, I have to absolutely love it and I have to relate to it in some way. Um, directing is demanding and it takes over your whole life. Um, so you have to be absolutely kind of, you know, living and breathing that story um, in order to direct it. C- certainly that's how I feel about it. Mm. So, so yeah, it all, for me, it always starts with the, with the text. Um, yeah. And uh, how do you deal with things when they're not going perhaps how you'd like them? So on a production level as well as like, what do you do if an actor's not giving you what you want from them? Um, that's a really interesting one actually about, you know, an actor and, and it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, I personally feel that you have to work in a, in a very strong collaboration with your actors um, and whilst I have a vision at the start of the process of how I perhaps want that character to be or how I want them to interact with other characters, the actor is the most integral part of that character because they are portraying that character and they, um, I suppose they have to share that vision. Now it does happen, of course it happens, that I might see it one way and the actor might see it another way, in which case um, I would try and understand why they have made the decision to play it in a particular way and we would kind of talk and discuss that. I, I don't feel um, I don't feel that you can force an actor to do something. The actor themselves has has to have a reason for you know for moving in a certain way or speaking in a certain way. It has to come from them. Otherwise if you force them it will appear forced to everybody else. Mm. Um, so I I think uh, I don't know, you'd have to talk to the actors I've worked with, but I think in, in my rehearsal sort of process, there's a lot of discussion, mm. um, as well as a lot of rehearsal with the lines. There's a lot of discussion about, um, you know, why people have made the decisions that they've made. Um, and luckily, I've never really had, you know, too much of a too much of an issue. We've always arrived, mm. um, you know, we've always arrived at a place where I feel happy and the actor feels happy. Um, on the production side... I mean, in many ways, that's just much more straightforward because, you know, if lights aren't the way you might want them, you just discuss that with the, the lighting d- designer and, um, you know, it is entirely collaborative and everybody has, to, everybody has to work together. I don't think you get the best out of people by demanding certain things. Mm. It's about me saying, this is my vision. How can we all work together to achieve that? And, yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't really had any major... Major problem, but this time, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's ha- what's around the next corner? And is there anything that you'd like to see more of in the local theatre scene? Is there a particular play that you'd love to see put on, or uh, is there a certain place that you want theatre in the local community to go in? Oh, I think that's a really tricky question, and something we 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 spend a lot of time talking about. I, I there's always a balance um, between sort of, I suppose, commercial success. And by commercial success, I don't mean making money, I just mean covering the costs. Mm. Um, so you have to have things that appeal and, and get audiences in and get audiences interested. Um, there's a balance of that, but but so, 
it would be nice to see a little bit more diversity sometimes in what we put on. Um, I think the company of 10 works very hard to do that and actually um, you know the, the plays that we put on in the studio are perhaps more controversial mm. um, and less likely to have broad appeal and I think that's brilliant um, and if we could do more of that it would be even more brilliant. Um, our main stage plays are more about a, a broad appeal. Um, yeah, a little bit more diversity would be would be is is never a bad thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And what would you say to someone who wants to get involved in local theatre but hasn't quite made that leap yet, or doesn't really know how to get involved? Um, well, just you know, just go to some local theatre. Actually, go and see it as an audience member. Um, I think that's the first thing. And then there are always people around at shows, either stewarding or behind the bar. Um, who will be able to who will be able to chat to you about you know getting involved? Um, don't be afraid. I think sometimes, well, certainly I was a little bit anxious having not done theatre since I was a university student, and you know my life having gone off in a completely different direction, that I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be able to get involved. But you know, I have to say that everybody I've ever met, sort of theatre wise, is so approachable and so generous of their time and you know they want people to to be involved we, we have to kind of you know we have to have new people coming in all of the time mm. um and just yeah just just try it and try something you know try something small maybe you know maybe do some stewarding or or um just some you know backstage stuff just to see how it all works and to, to feel comfortable but um you know everybody everybody certainly that i've ever met has only been too helpful um, and, and encouraging so you know so don't hold back thanks Sinead is there anything that you'd like to plug uh, oh <laughs> well there's the, obviously the Christmas show that I'm directing um, at the company of 10 so the Abbey Theatre is George's Marvellous Medicine and that's going into rehearsal at the start of October um, and it's going to be absolutely magical and amazing and we have grannies flying through roofs and magic potions and all sorts of wonderful things for all the family so so thank you so if you yes, want to see like, a flying if can, granny if you want to see a flying granny that's the place to be <laughs> <laughs> thanks you thanks ben hello i'm simon carver join me and danny smith on our new podcast the st albans film guide each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema the top 10 uh, new releases and also what's on tv over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels now if you want to find the podcast go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the st albans podcast alternatively you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more so that's the film guide with me simon carver part of the st albans podcast in association with the hearts advertiser so thank you to Sinead uh, for talking to us or talking yeah, to me. Yeah, really interesting. It's so good to hear from, you know, I think one of the things we're really trying to embrace in this show is hearing about other things than being on stage, mm. hearing about the other parts. So thank yes. you. Uh, and now, swiftly moving on, mm-hmm. uh, we sent Danny and Becky Alexander, our roving reporters, out to see Office Suite. So without further ado, it'd be good to hear what they thought of it. So we're here at the Abbey Theatre and we've just come out of Office Suite by Alan Bennett, the uh, latest offering from the the Company of Ten and the first uh, play of their new season. And I'm here with uh, Becky Alexander, the uh, food uh, correspondent on the main podcast. So, uh, Becky, uh, what did you think? These were two one-act plays, weren't they? Um, What did you think of the first one? 
they're both set in 1978 and it was really weird how it took you right back to that time I would have been about seven I would have been seven and I loved the actors it was a, a duologue and um, two old work colleagues meeting up and the language is fantastic I really like the actors uh, very very believable um, it was an interesting journey the character went through so that you had the, the male character who was um, who had recently retired and then the slightly younger colleague who was coming to sort of tell him keep him up to date and seeing yeah, he was his journey the boss, wasn't he? he was the original boss yeah and sort of seeing how he started out kind of in one place but he ended up in another and 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 seeing that journey that he sort of took yeah it was quite interesting and, and it was it quite was a fantastic actor was, Derek Coe hmm. and Miss Prothero played by Cassandra Cartwright yeah and uh, yeah it was um it was funny but there was also moments of sort of poignancy in it and you could you felt a bit sorry for him didn't you in the yeah. way that classic he, Alan, Alan Bellant isn't yeah, it definitely yeah. and and then the second act is the second play uh, which was um, Green Forms uh, and, and and did you feel that I don't know did they work together well do you think I wasn't sure if they were meant to be the same company. It felt like they were, um, or it was another office, and it was two women sitting in an office, very close colleagues, processing endless forms. It was all pre-computers, wasn't it? And they were just filling up their days with stuff that didn't seem very important. Um, and I thought they were great. I really lo- I thought they were fantastic, um, particularly Beverly Robley's Doreen. Um, I thought she was great. She had a real sort of a really strong character, and their sort of reluctance to accept that maybe they were slightly out of you know out of date with what they were doing yeah they had their way of doing things and then they became more and more unstuck as they kind of realized that maybe other things were moving on a little bit around them yeah um, but, but yeah I thought they, they did really well I, and it, I guess it's partly the writing and partly the performances that make it all seem so natural it really was it felt very real I, I mean we I think we both felt we recognized those scenarios I'm pretty sure I've worked with some of those women yeah yeah, yeah back in the day I, I used to do all sorts of tasks that you know boot, you know when computers were quite new and some of the older members of the office weren't really comfortable with them and we had to do some quite silly admin tasks yeah. so it's quite recent memory some of those attitudes and you know it's nice to revisit that um, oh absolutely did, did you feel that um, it was perhaps something that, that would be aimed at a slightly older audience I think we're quite young here yeah. this evening um, but that's not a bad thing you know it's, it's uh, that's drama it takes you to a different time and place yeah Okay, well, uh, there you go. So, um, Office Suite is on until Saturday, the 28th of September at the Abbey Theatre. Um, back to uh, Ben and Susie at the studio. So, there we are. Uh, you know, if you didn't like their review, please make sure you email Danny at stalbanspodcast.com. <laughs> tell him that he's please useless. Please complain directly. <laughs> <clears throat> and we won't have him again. Um, no, thank you very much to Danny and Becky. Um, so, that was Office Suite by Company of Ten down at the Abbey theatre yep which is still on until the 28th of september and we'll have a link to the tickets on the podcast um and, and in the show notes show notes so there you go but then you've also seen it mm-hmm. so let's get the professional opinion shall we <laughs> what did you think i thought that so it, if you've heard any alan bennett you can turn this off for the next 30 seconds if you haven't heard of any alan bennett then you are in for a treat. So Alan Bennett, what he does is he focuses on the most monotonous, the most boring, mm. the most lethargic places that he can think of and puts a massive, massive lens on it. And so the, the problems that people are going through are boring problems that you deal with in your own life. And so there's a scene um, in the second play where they're saying, oh, I've got, 
I've got one CB32. I've got two CB30. I've got three CB32s. Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, because normally when you go to the theatre, there are all these big dra- mm-hmm. dramas and, you know, there, there's massive things. People are getting murdered. People, yep. you know, their husbands are splitting up with them and things like that. Um, but actually, it being so boring and monotonous raises the stakes of everything so much because these people's lives are it's filled with these yeah. tiny little dramas um and so not only does that make it really really interesting really really engaging mm-hmm. but it makes it interesting from the point of view of it's incredibly comic because you can know that it's incredibly incredibly important that these cb32s get done they must get done there's a lot of pressure on but also, it doesn't matter because it's just like a form yeah. in, an, in an office filled with forms. If someone doesn't fill in that form, what's going to happen? Mm. And so one of the things that Alan Bennett does really, really well is just gets that um, drudgery through. But also the humanity of the people just trying to deal with their lives um, and the way that the work that they do forces them into these sort of boring roles uh, but their personality still comes through so um i think doreen played by beverly is is an absolute example of like she gets so het up that she says oh i need to put my cardigan cardigan on (laughs) (laughs) and then she gets worked with someone like that (laughs) and then she gets more and more het up and then she says oh it's really hot in here i've got Mm. to take my cardigan off um so i i think that that was really really good one of the other things that i um like to give a shout out to and this is another offstage thing yeah is the set was really good so the first uh play is set in an old man he's retired set in his front room um and you know that his sort of life that surrounds that he's got a goldfish and things like that Mm -hmm. which you set very far up the stage which you then realise is very important because in the second show, they uh, they take away the back wall and it's a massive office that goes all the way to the back of the stage. Okay. Um, so it's quite an impressive technical feat to have two sets that are incredibly different on the same stage. I was going to say, because in some of the photography, it's a very detailed, because in the office one in particular, you've got files, you've got mm. notepads, you've got quite a lot of just general office clutter. It mm. looks like an office. Yeah, um, and a run-down office yeah. as well. I mean, so going back, well, let's go back to my first question, which is this is two one-act plays. Yes. Are they actually connected? So they're connected in a very broad way so they're both about work they're both about the monotony of work and also about whether or not work actually matters and also the precariousness that work can often put you in mm-hmm. so um in the second play the, the two women are talking about oh you know would never join a union would never join a union and then it then it comes out that you know, they might be re- made redundant. So they're all het up about getting into okay. a union. Uh, and then it turns out that they're not going to get made redundant. And so they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, unions are stupid ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants that anyway? So my second question, and um, Danny and Becky touched on this slightly, was that it was set in 1978? Yes. Um, and, you know, they sort of said, oh, does that make it sort of appropriate for an older audience? Now you, as we all know, it's well established mm-hmm. as a younger, slightly younger participant on this podcast. Did you feel that, you know, could you, did you still get it? Did it feel relevant or did it feel aged and a bit old? No, it, it didn't feel aged at all. I mean, like, it it was set in the past. You could definitely tell that, um, you know, they didn't have keyboards and things like that. But actually, 
it worked because uh you know the little bit britain character of computer says no that is exactly the same thing of sorry there isn't a form for that so you mm-hmm. can't do yeah, it yeah. computer says no that's not operationally possible so it it um it's set in its time but in the same way organizations are slow organizations are boring organizations are so depersonal mm-hmm. that you know it it could it felt very very similar to experiences that i've had um just there was a screen in the corner rather than a yeah. form key question was there a filing cabinet there was a there was, was it, a lot of filing were they cabinet. used in a percussive way which you have become to you've come oh, to enjoy actually yeah that must be my a damning damning criticism yeah there was no they <laughs> did not use <laughs> there was no the draw slamming cabinets. no Obviously, it wasn't that vigorous. Mm. Then it Although was more like... it did get me quite stressed because there there was a scene, there was a point where one of the characters she's throwing the files out of the filing cabinet, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, as an you know, I've been an intern in quite a few offices. I'm like, oh, you're not going to have to clean that up. That's going to be <laughs> some poor guy who's only there for a week, whose mind melts out of his ears because you put oh, things in the wrong place. Lamb. So great. I mean, it sounds like it's definitely one to watch. Uh, We'll have the link to the tickets Mm. until the 28th of September. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend going to see it. Um, And it is such a, it just bubbles along. Nothing's too important, but it's quite funny and quite nice. Quite a pleasant way to spend an afternoon. Marvellous. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Dave. Join us on the Podful of Saints, a St Albans City Football Club fan podcast. Each week during this football season, we shall be taking a look at the Saints' recent games and our upcoming matches. We have guests all during the season, and we also take a look at what is going on elsewhere in National League South. We end each week with a bit of fun with a Jake Predictor machine. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalwarspodcast.com forward slash Saints Podcast to find out more. That's a Podfellow Saints with Jake and Dave, part of the St Albans Podcast. In association with the Hearts Advertiser. Phew. So I think that wraps us up for another wonderful edition of the Theatre Show podcast. Hope you had a good time. We did. Yeah, it was great. So we will be back in um, two weeks time when we will be offering you a preview of Dealing with Claire, Mm -hmm. which is going to be put on by the Company of Ten. At the Abbey Theatre. Fabulous. Looking forward to that. And we're also going to be stepping back out of St Albans again. I know. Don't go crazy here. Uh, but over the weekend of the 12th and 13th of October, it's the Watford Fringe Festival. So we are going to speak to um, a few people about what that involves, um, what's happening and how uh, some of the theatres are getting involved in that. It sounds like a lot of fun. It does sound like a lot of fun. So that's a snippet. We will see you back here on you know, the 10th of October or thereabouts when you tune in to listen to it. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you um, to our wonderful producer, um, Danny Smith, I guess. Um, thank, thank you to you. the Hearts Advertiser for letting us use their space. There. I was getting, and, I would never forget. <laughs> um, and thank you to Ben for going to see some of those shows. Oh, well, thank you, Susie, for, going to, for driving me to one of those shows. <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. Bye. The Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Produced in association with the St Albans Podcast. For more St Albans Podcasts, check out stalbanspodcast.com for full details on all the podcasts available and how to subscribe. To get in touch with The Theatre Show, email theatreshow at stalbanspodcast.com. The St Albans Podcast Theatre Show, out every fortnight on Thursdays.